Hey everybody, it's Dan Dan here, and we are diving into a big book study. Today we are on part two of two employers. And up till now, we have been talking about some really heavy duty topics. Uh, Hank P started this chapter or wrote most of this chapter or Bill dictated it from Hank P. I don't know. All kinds of history out there about it. In any case, it's a chapter that brings the idea in that employers carry a serious burden when it comes to dealing with the alcoholic employee. And something I've been overlaying on it because in my own recovered alcoholism world, my sponsor world, I like to use two employers in addition to working with others, the family afterward, to help myself understand the plight of the sponsee and my responsibilities as a sponsor. Since nowhere in the big book is sponsorship really addressed specifically where it says, hey, do this, not that. Two employers gives us at least the first part that we've already done, gives us a, a sense, a set of directions sort of on exactly how to do it. And some of those things that are unusual that we're going to carry forward, one of them is that we like to say, I can't say if you're an alcoholic or not, because there's some insinuation about not saying it to somebody at a particular moment in the chapter called working with others. However, and two employers, we point blank nail them with it. And I think we can do that with sponsees. They point blank hit them with it if you believe that they are alcoholic and you tell them that it's a fatal illness and you fear for their life. There's three instances as the chapter opens up of suicides, of people dying as a result of sitting at that turning point. You know, and how it works, it says we stood at the turning point. What's that turning point consist of? I can tell you for me, it was feelings of failure, thoughts about suicide, thoughts about continuing to drink, thoughts about maybe trying religion or something else, thoughts about needing a hospital, thoughts about my wife that had left, thoughts about how I've been horrible to my kids, just full of thoughts. And one of them was definitely the suicide thought. And I think that's super common amongst us. And it happens all too often. Our program is not a lightweight, easy effort to make sure people are comfortable and moving along on their timeline. And I do believe that's true. It is a program of action. And the more we can encourage that action, the better off we're going to be. So as we get into it, we're on page 143. We're going to learn about moving that program of action further. Again, this is in the context of an employer dealing with alcoholics in his purview, the people that he employs, people that work for him. It could be a manager, could be an executive, and how to approach them. There's another element that I'm overlaying it again here, and that is how we deal with the people we sponsor, the role of a sponsor with helping sponsees. And I add that in because of my own experience. So here we go. And we're going to start off in this chapter Returning to the subject matter of the book is how he opens it up. So it says to return to the subject matter of this book. And the reason for that is it's a quick reminder of who we are and where we're going with this person, this prospect, as it might be. All right, here we go. To return to the subject matter of this book, it contains full suggestions by which the employee may solve his problem. Not the employer, not the sponsor. The employee may solve his problem. To you, some of the ideas which it contains are novel, meaning new. They're new ideas. Perhaps you are not quite in sympathy or, you know, getting along with 
the approach we suggest. By no means do we offer it as the last word on this subject. But so far as we are concerned, it has worked with us. After all, are you not looking for results rather than methods that's so important? As an alcoholic, I would definitely be critical of the methods and not after the obvious present proof of the results. I'm a person that will argue the point of view on the basis of methods, not on the critical question, does it work? And that's really the only question at hand. It goes on, whether your employee likes it or not, he will learn the grim truth. Hmm. The grim, the serious appearance of truth about alcoholism. That won't hurt him a bit, even though he does not go for this remedy. We suggest you draw the book to the attention of the doctor who is to attend your patient during treatment. If the book is read the moment the patient is able, the moment the patient is able. So when we're working with guys, we want to do this right away. When sponsors are working with sponsees, the moment they're able, the moment they're able, while acutely depressed, huh? so while they're desperate, this is something that comes back to us more than once in the book. It's the desperation that creates the opportunity. In uh, working with others, it talks about the same thing. Hmm. Realization of his condition may come to him. So even he's just barely able and he's acutely depressed, he may still be resistant to this. Realization of his condition may come to him. We hope the doctor will tell the patient the truth about his condition, whatever that happens to be. When the man is presented with this volume, it is best, it is best that no one tell him he must abide by its suggestions. The man must decide for himself. A huge mistake so many of us make in sponsoring is say, this is the way, AA is the only way, there is no other way, the way I'm telling you is the correct way, and it's really just our opinion of things. It's not fact at all. Dumping my opinion out as a fact is a fantastic character defect that I love, <laughs> you know, as you sit here and listen to a recording of me doing just that in some ways, right? So this is something that we want to avoid a lot. We want to leave it open for them to have their own experience. It says you are betting, of course, that your changed attitude plus the contents of this book will turn the trick. In some cases, it will, and in others, it may not. But we think that if you persevere, if you persevere, if you continue doing it, if you persevere, the percentage of successes will gratify you. As our work spreads and our numbers increase, we hope your employees may be put in personal contact with some of us. Meanwhile, we are sure a great deal can be accomplished by the use of this book alone. Let the big book speak for itself. On your employee's return, talk with them. So we pick him back up. In the previous chapter, we left off that you might want to have, or the previous part, I'm sorry, we left off that you may want to have a lengthy talk with your employee or your sponsee when they get out of treatment. That you may want to go over the set of circumstances that have led to this moment, and you may want to bring their attention to the fact that you do indeed have an answer. So here's how to have that talk. On your employee's return, talk with him. Ask him. Here's the first question. Ask him if he thinks he has the answer. If he feels free to discuss his problems with you. If he knows you understand and will not be upset by anything he wishes to say. 
he will probably be off to a fast start. Hmm. In this connection, here's a question for you, sponsors. <laughs> here's a question for you, employers. It's a tough one. In this connection, can you remain undisturbed? Are you spiritually fit if the man proceeds to tell you shocking things? He may, for example, reveal that he has padded his expense account or that he has planned to take your best customers away from you. In fact, he may say almost anything if he has accepted our solution, which, as you know, demands rigorous honesty. Can you charge this off as you would a bad account and start fresh with him? Boy, that's tough. I've had to do that very thing under these exact circumstances where someone I was working with had in fact gone behind my back, had in fact worked to get all my accounts, my livelihood even, to move it away from me, and then wanted reconciliation. (laughs) That is a true thing. That really does happen. So am I able to start fresh with him? The answer was, indeed I was. If he owes you money, you may wish to make terms. And we did. If he speaks of his home situation, You can undoubtedly make helpful suggestions. Can he talk frankly with you so long as he does not bear business tales or criticize his associates? Keeping our sponsees from talking trash about other people, their family, other people in the group, anybody, is so important. You know, raising ourselves up by putting others down is a common tactic to avoid accountability with us. And that's something to really watch out for. With this kind of employee, such an attitude will command undying loyalty Woof. from us. Wow. Think about that. The greatest enemies of us alcoholics are, here we go, resentment, jealousy, envy, frustration, and fear. Let's say it together. Resentment, jealousy, envy, frustration, and fear. Those are our greatest enemies. Wherever men are gathered together in business, there will be rivalries and arising out of these a certain amount of office politics. Sometimes we alcoholics have an idea that people are trying to pull us down. You're trying to get me. Often this is not so at all. Often, I mean, like almost never, right? Often this is not so at all. But sometimes our drinking will be used politically. Someone may call me an alcoholic. It's just a horrible thing. One instance comes to mind in which a malicious individual was always making friendly little jokes about an alcoholic's drinking exploits. In this way, he was slyly carrying tales. In another case, an alcoholic was sent to a hospital for treatment. Only a few knew of it at first, but within a short time, it was billboarded throughout the entire company. Naturally, this sort of thing decreased the man's chance of recovery. Naturally, this thing, these types of things decrease the person's chance of recovery. If you don't think you control other people, that might be true. We do affect other people. We do influence other people. How do we want to influence them? Is there a bunch of gossip in your AA group? Is there a bunch of politics at your group conscience meetings? Is there constant distrust and discord going on? It's hurting people's ability to recover. It's definitely completely neglecting the idea that our primary purpose is to help the alcoholic who still suffers. It's just snuck in there as naturally this sort of thing decreased the man's chance of recovery. But I think it's a vital thought. 
The employer can many times protect the victim from this kind of talk. The employer cannot play favorites, but he can always defend a man from needless provocation and unfair criticism. As a class, alcoholics are energetic people. They work hard and they play hard. That's true of the guys I know. Your man should be on his mettle, which means in strength and spirit to make good. He should be coming along with courage, strength, and spirit to make things good, mettle. Being somewhat weakened and faced with physical and mental readjustment to a life which knows no alcohol, he may overdo. Remember we went over this in the family afterward? The first problem that the, we run into is we want to overwork. And then the second problem we run into is we want to over-God everything. We spiritualize every single thing, right? And we just think it's the most incredible thing ever. God loves me. I'm highly favored. And, and we go way overboard preaching to everybody. Overdue. You may have to curb his desire to work 16 hours a day, sponsors, right? We might have to curb his desire, their desire to work 16 hours a day. You may need to encourage him to play once in a while. Take a break, take it easy, enjoy life. He may wish to do a lot for other alcoholics and something of the sort may come up during business hours. Right, a reasonable amount of latitude will be helpful. This work is necessary to maintain his sobriety. So we, that's a direct application for all of us that employ people in recovery. After your man has gone along without drinking for a few months, you may be able to make use of his services with other employees who are giving you the alcoholic runaround, provided, of course, they are willing to have a third party in the picture. An alcoholic who has, there's our word, recovered, but holds a relatively unimportant job can talk to a man with a better position. Being on a radically different basis of life, he will never take advantage of the situation because we recognize our own story. So important. It doesn't matter the person's position in the company. It doesn't matter if the person coming into the room is a wealthy housewife or an executive in a company and the mechanic is trying to sponsor them. None of that matters. We're an equal playing field. And that's what's so important. It goes on. Your man may be trusted. Long experience with alcoholic excuses naturally arouses suspicion. When his wife next calls saying he is sick, oh, he's so sick, he can't come to work today, he's just so sick, you may jump to the conclusion he is drunk because we have a persistently negative mind, don't we? <laughs> if he is and is still trying to recover, he will tell you about it even if it means the loss of his job. Rigorous honesty that we come clean regardless of the personal cost, right? Hmm. For he knows he must be honest if he would live at all all. He will appreciate knowing you are not bothering your head about him, that you are not suspicious, nor are you trying to run his life so he will be shielded from temptation to drink. Really important sentence here. Here we go. If he is conscientiously following the program of recovery, he can go anywhere. Your business may call him. So there's no using alcoholism as an excuse, folks. In case he does stumble, even once, you will have to decide whether to let him go. Hmm. If you are sure he doesn't mean business, once again, dis discretion, right? This idea that we are left with our opinion based on the circumstances as they present themselves to make a decision. Reach out to your sponsor. Run things by them. Reach out to other people that own businesses. Ask them what they would do. 
And if you come back and you're sure he doesn't mean business, then there is no doubt you should discharge him. Sponsors, remember that. We don't stick around for the guys that keep getting white chips. Let them try some other way. Let them try some other person. If, on the contrary, you are sure he is doing his utmost, you may wish to give him another chance. Hmm. But you should feel under no obligation to keep him on, for your obligation has been well discharged already. There is another thing you might wish to do. I wonder what this other thing is. If your organization is a large one, your junior executives might be provided with this book. You might let them know you have no quarrel with alcoholics of your organization. These juniors are often in a difficult position. Men under them are frequently their friends. So, for one reason or another, they cover these men, hoping matters will take a turn for the better. They often jeopardize their own positions by trying to help serious drinkers who should have been fired long ago or else given an opportunity to give well. So from the sponsorship standpoint, this might not have a lot of relevance, but I think it is true in just life that we've covered for our brothers and our sisters and our friends along the way. Uh, just recently, I was hearing somebody say that they took responsibility for alcohol being in the car when they were a teenager and let everyone else get away. And they thought they had really taken responsibility. They thought they had done the right thing. There's no doubt that's not the right thing. Helping other people find the accountability, the pathway to success in our world, in the world of recovered alcoholics, is the pathway to incomprehensible demoralization. That's the pathway. So we want to help empower people of the world, whether we're their employer or we're their neighbor or they're part of their church, whatever it might be, with this information so they know that getting down to that point of desperation is critical and that we continually protect our rights, our rights, and we continually keep our commitments to them, even if they don't keep them to us. After reading this book, a junior executive, a pastor, a neighbor, a friend, a part of the Neighborhood Association can go to such a man and say approximately this. Here's like something you can say. Look here, Ed. So who's Ed in your life? Ready? Look here, Ed. Do you, do you, do you want to stop drinking or not? Not I want you to stop drinking. Do you want to stop drinking or not? Black and white. Yes or no? You put me on the spot every time you get drunk. It isn't fair to me or the firm or the church or the group. I have been learning something about alcoholism because he has the book. If you are an alcoholic, you are a mighty sick man. You act like one. The firm wants to help you get over it. And if you are interested, there is a way out. If you take it, your past will be forgotten. What? And the fact that you went away for treatment will not be mentioned. But if you cannot or will not stop drinking, I think you ought to resign or get the heck on out of here. Right? Get on out. Your junior executive may not agree with the contents of our book. He need not. Doesn't matter whether he agrees with it or not and often should not show it to his alcoholic prospect. It's just for his own information. It's just for the pastor. It's just for your neighbor, right? But at least he will understand the problem and will no longer be misled by ordinary promises, by all those commitments that us drunk alcoholic minds make and have no intention of keeping. He will be able to take a position with such a man, which is eminently, or which means to a high degree, fair and square. He will have no further reason for covering up an alcoholic employee. 
It boils right down to this. You ready? No man, no person should be fired just because he is alcoholic. If he wants to stop, he should be afforded a real chance. If he cannot or does not want to stop, he should be discharged. The exceptions are few. We think this method of approach will accomplish several things. Here's the reason to do it. You ready? It will permit the rehabilitation of good men. One, at the same time, you will feel no reluctance to rid yourself of those who cannot or will not stop. Two, alcoholism may be causing your organization considerable damage and it's waste of time, men, and reputation. Three, we hope our suggestions will help you plug up this sometimes serious leak. We think we are sensible when we urge you to stop this waste. Stop this waste, waste of time, money, and effort, and give your worthwhile man a chance. That goes right back, right back to working with others. So we're going to stop there, and we'll finish it up with a little bit of a shorter one in part three. But we've been given some very specific instructions here of how to approach people. And sharing this with employers is really empowering. The sentimentality of wanting to be helpful, the influence of religion and some of the ambiguity of, you know, being in service to others or, you know, sacrifice or suffering for the benefit of others. That is not necessary. That is not necessary. What is necessary is a type of honesty known as kindness. And we don't want to mix kindness up here with niceness. So as we talk about this, it would be great to have a discussion around how were people kind to you? In other words, they were firm. They gave you every possible chance and you blew it. And they finally cut ties with you, whether it be work or at home, or for those of you that have had more than one white chip, maybe it was a sponsor. What a great discussion to have. Let's hear about how that changed for you. What made it different this time? There's always people in the room. There's always people in the room that have maybe that idea floating through their mind that a drink will somehow make things better. And it could be today that they hear the very thing that will keep them from taking that drink and once again, in putting their life at risk and destroying the foundational element of every personal relationship, that trust that may have built up in even just a short time without alcohol between their employer and their family and other people. So let's have a discussion about that. What is it? What is it that someone had over you? Was it an employer or a wife? You know, what was the turning point where they cut ties? How many times did you promise them to do something different and fail? And are those people today still in your life in some positive way? I hope you have a great discussion.